Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. Your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and today I'm once again joined by Kim Berry, the editor of Food and Drink Business and the host of this show. G'day, Kim. How are you doing? Hi, Grant. I'm very well indeed. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. We had a, a great pre-record discussion, but now it's time to get down to the serious stuff, I guess. I know. We m- must uh, re- remember to make sure that we do cover everything we just talked about. Indeed. <laughs> Look, we hear a lot about our seemingly tireless demand for beverages that provide more than basic nutritional components. These are called functional beverages. It means that the drink contains an ingredient or ingredients that provide a particular health benefit beyond what the drink would otherwise provide. You can imagine the potential for this market segment. Research company Ibis World forecast a 3.5% annual growth in the functional beverage category in Australia from 2019 to 2024. It pitched a total revenue for the sector in 2019-2020 to be more than $447 million. So technically that was, you know, before a global pandemic decided to set in and we all discovered uh, the concepts of immunity and our health and how we can look after it better than we had been. Now, there's a number of categories within this functional health, uh, functional beverage um, market Some of them we all know very well, energy drinks and sports drinks in particular. And then there are things like uh, functional waters that have added components like herbs or caffeine or the wind that's come off the Himalayan Alps. But there is another uh, part of the market that is maturing and it's it's the component that take in nutraceutical drinks. And they're the category that include ingredients that are said to target brain health or boost your energy, support your immunity, even beauty. Can you tell, Grant? I'm, a, I, I'm taking a little functional beverage from my beauty around. I, I, I didn't want to say anything, but yes, the glow is a quite glow, noticeable. A glow, like a beacon. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> today we are joined by the co-founders of Arepa. It is a functional beverage. Uh, Their names are Angus Brown and Zachary Robinson. And we're going to talk about Arepa, obviously, and also the importance that within these categories, particularly nutraceuticals, there can be a lot of claims put out there about a beverage that perhaps are not as substantiated as they should be for the claims that they are making. And uh, the research that has gone into Arepa is quite, quite impressive. So let's get the actual team to talk about it rather than myself. Uh, Angus and Zach, hi. Hi. G'day. How you going? Very well. So where did this begin? Give us, give us the little, you know, potted history of the, the, the genesis of Arepa. Yeah, the, 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 the 10 minute uh, nutshell and 10 seconds, the 10 year uh, nutshell and 10 seconds. That's <laughs> it, yes. Um, it started uh, when I was in uh, last year of high school, uh, lost a friend to, to mental health um, and then went to university, had a lot of uh, fun and um, realized that, you know, your body, what you put in is what you get out. You know, you're kind of this invincible, you know, teenager um, that gets really well fed by uh, your parents and then you move out to living on your own and you start to push, you know, burn the candle at both ends, so to speak, and realize that. 
you know, nutrition is actually really important, both for immunity, but also um, mental health and, and brain health. And then first job out of university was selling uh, V, you know, um, pretty big energy drink. And within the first year, I lost two grandparents to brain-related illness um, and was kind of getting over selling caffeine and sugar. And so I kind of thought, why can't we make a drink that can improve uh, brain health and performance and clinically um, uh, prove it in studies? And why can't it deliver a felt effect and benefit humankind? Um, uh, and, uh, you know, why can't we make the next Red Bull but out of Australasia? And, and then kind of uh, got in touch with uh, Zach, who we became friends at university, and I heard Zach through another friend was like a really um, talented industrial designer. I was like, hey, I want to do a brain drink. Is this something that you'd be interested in? Um, Zach was kind of like, I would love to have a brain drink. I'm working in a high-flying Sydney design studio, you know, post-university, drinking way too much coffee and having, you know, panic attacks. And I was just like, same, like also getting panic attacks with this bloody drink we're supposed to be consuming called coffee. And um, yeah, we spent five years of uh, research and development at uh, the Food Bowl, which is kind of like CSIRO in New Zealand, the $30 million modular food factory. Uh, just so happens that I left the energy drink company, worked at this place for six years, and then um, over time started to chip away on this idea kind of as a hobby in the background. The process engineers were doing like craft beers or coconut yogurts, and my hobby was this kind of brain drink. And the breakthrough kind of happened when um, we met with Professor Andrew Scully, who's uh, head of human psychopharmacology at Swinburne University, and adjunct professor at Monash. And he's ranked like third in the world in terms of his field, in terms of published research cited. And uh, we, um, uh, Zach and I, formed a company and we um, pitched to uh, family and friends and raised some capital for Professor Scully to develop a formula that we then went and um, invested in our first clinical study. And yeah, kind of, um, we, we briefed them really um, tightly on it needed to be natural, plant-based, caffeine-free, use unique to New Zealand and Australia botanicals, um, proven to increase mental performance uh, or eventually uh, improve mental performance, reduce stress, which energy drinks are not doing, like they just exasperate stress. So we wanted to come into the market that could in parallel keep you in this really state of kind of focus or flow, while at the same time being beneficial for brain health and mental wellness and immunity over the long run. And so now we've got 14 clinical studies across leading universities in Australia and New Zealand, including CSIRO. Um, we've got a dementia study underway at the University of Wollongong. Um, and uh, yeah, investigating everything from improving, growing like brain cells to fatigue, to sports, to neuroprotection, to immunity. Um, and we're seeing some really interesting uh, results, especially around later this year we'll be um, uh, saying that we can kind of increase levels of certain neurotransmitters in the brain and you'd be hard-pressed to find any food or beverage product on the supermarket shelves globally that has got this level of human-based evidence behind it. So what's what's in it? What's in it to make it do all these things? Um, yeah, so we use uh, three key ingredients. We call, we've got the neuroberry blackcurrant, 
Um, and then we have pine bark extract and althenin, which is a green tea amino acid. Okay. And then were these things already known to have these various characteristics and then it became a case of just putting them together and working out, that, well, not just a case, but, the, you know, putting them together and working it out? Or was this really from ground zero of, of just trying all manner of things to see what contained these possible um, benefits? Yeah, we were searching for, we basically kind of did a literature review of all the um, plant-based nutraceuticals that had an impact on brain health, but also were, um, you know, grown out of New Zealand and Australia um, and had an interesting story behind them and had potential. And um, we did that, but then Professor Scully just took it, took that level of research to a whole nother level and identified that, yeah, pine bark um, extract is shown to be like a traditional alternative to ADHD medication for children and for um, adults, as well as a natural, uh, helps with increasing blood flow and oxygen to the brain. Um, and so people would take it also for concussion recovery or stroke recovery. And, and so this company has got a lot of customers um, that take it for that reason. And then uh, black currants, um, New Zealand grown black currants have got uh, a really interesting compound in them that can inhibit the Mao enzyme, which is responsible. There are Mao inhibited um, medications out there that are used for depression and Parkinson's. And uh, blackcurrant kind of has this unique natural but safe effect to it because blackcurrant's been consumed for hundreds of years. You know, there's right out there. Is this like so, grown up Ribena? It's like grown up no, Ribena. I'm sorry. Actually, that was a really cheap, that was a really, no, that I was know, really and, picking yeah, low fruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're, we're what black currants should be known for and um, appreciated by, um, but we're we're taking it to another level where we're actually getting into the genetics of black currants and um, understanding what makes them tick and the there's their interesting neurological effects. And we've found um, we've gathered um, IP um, in the form of patents around. Uh, the combination of these ingredients and and these um, these compounds in uh, our, our black currants and pine bark that have really really interesting really sound from a scientific perspective you know mechanisms of action that can either help improve um, blood flow to the brain or modulate neurotransmitters which is essentially mental performance um, and and mood neuroprotection um, domains. And so, yeah, we're, we're seeing really interesting, I mean, yeah, we're publishing four studies this year, which is, I guess, saying something in terms of what we're finding. Um, and we're really excited about the future. Um, yeah. One of the issues that I've, you know, a number of people have, have talked to me about with these types of, you know, nutraceutical beverages and, and foods is that, you know, you need to get a, a particular amount of it. You need to have the therapeutic dose within the serve size or whatever, you know, to actually reap the benefits. So what sort of, what is the range that you guys, I know you're doing the, the shots. Um, what's it called when you do a disclosure? I'm quite a fan. Um, but are there other, what, what are some of the other formats that you're working with to ensure that when, you know, people are consuming it, they are getting that dose that will actually make a difference? Yeah, so that's kind of been one of our, uh, I guess, key drivers. We, we Once we identified our formulation, that was where Andrew Scully, you know, he really came into um, 
you know, that's where a lot of his knowledge came in because there's, there's, there's things where, like, you can have too much of the product and actually has a negative effect. So, you, like, you can't just go, oh, these all three of these ingredients are great for you, so let's load them up because uh, they can, like, they can combat against each other. They can, they, like, some go through a bell curve, so you have a peak amount and then it drops off again. And so we identified what is the like of a brain serving. Yeah. So what's like one brain serving that actually creates a felt effect and actually a noticeable health effect as well. And so that's where he, you know, that's where we came up with our formulation. And once we're stuck with, uh, once we had that, we've made sure that we keep efficacious dosages in one of uh, in one serving of our product. So we've got capsules, we have a powder, so like a, a tablespoon of our powder. We have the shot, and then we have the 300 mils, and we also have the 250 mil can. So all of those are efficacious dosage, dosages of our uh, product. So that's probably, I think, one of the key things that happens in this industry is there's a lot of, let's say, it's like similar ingredients can be used, but it's never at the like they're using it on a you know for it. Let's say, let's say, like me, like oh, it's got you know ginseng in it but they're using such an insignificant amount it's you know it's it's unusable it's just a it's just to have it on the label whereas and so the consumer is like kind of confused and like oh they don't believe it so we we get met with a lot of skepticism we we have the response rate that we have especially from that kind of one in five you know in australia and, and in new zealand that suffer from a neurological concern Whenever they come across us, we have a noticeable felt effect. We're not using caffeine. Creating a felt effect is really, really quite hard to do naturally, safely. Um, and yeah, we're, we're kind of, we are developing through our knowledge of these base amount of bioactives. We're, we're managing to kind of quantify and document our felt effect and know that it really delivers more profoundly on someone who's, I don't know, uh, recovering from, uh, you know, brain injury or has, you know, um, is on the kind of neuro um, spectrum. Um, we seem to do, you know, interesting effects. And that's why we're now, um, have got a, a collaboration with CSIRO and Swinburne University, where our um, formula will be studied on adults with ADHD. Wow. That sounds really, I mean, that'll be fascinating to see, you know, the what the results show often with these ingredients like I can't I mean you, you kind of have a concept that a berry is you know delicious but uh, I can't imagine pine bark is that palatable like <laughs> and I do know I do know from drinking it that it is quite astringent and that appeals to me but it must be a challenge particularly I mean not just for Arepa but for also other companies within the category that you're trying to get these um you know, levels within it, but then it also to taste good. And, you know, generally things, if they're quite astringent, you know, people just add things like sugar or other. So how have you guys sort of worked with that challenge? Uh, it was developing like natural flavours that um, help us like just refine the harsh edges of our black currant and obviously this pine bark um, to round off things like, you know, vanilla, um, clove. And so that helps to kind of polish it off. But what we've developed is really clever um, natural flavour technology that can mask the bitterness and astringency. Um, so that's that, that helps us deliver kind of efficacious levels while still having, a, you know, a pleasant um, tasting experience for the consumer. And we're getting better at that as well. Um, and as we... 
source our neurobiary black currents, which is like we've kind of identified what makes a, a, a neuroactive black current different to just an everyday black current. And it's this kind of neuroactivity that um, we've been the world first to identify. And we're finding newer varieties that are out there um, that have got uh, sweeter tasting profiles at the same sugar levels, which is interesting. So, yeah. Um, where do they come from? Like, obviously, they're coming out of New Zealand, the berries. Are they just... Uh... They're, they're, grown in, they're grown in in Europe and in New Zealand, oh, actually. okay. And, and small parts of, I think, Chile. Um, they're, they're not native to, I think they're native to Canada, maybe. Um, and so, Scotland, yeah, yeah there's UK, UK big growers for Ribena over there. Um, so, our operations manager has been at kind of the World um, Blueberry and Black Current Conference in Poland this year. And oh, Poland's that'd be hard. Well. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's there right now. A pretty, a pretty summertime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, taking um, one for the team. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to see uh, where these are growing and what we've tested like 50 samples from around the world and we've identified um, really high ac- levels of activity both in New Zealand and in Europe. And so we're now sourcing from both markets. Um, and also- that must be quite interesting to see, like if you if you choose if you're using a crop that's coming out of say Scotland and then a crop that's coming out of New Zealand and it is essentially the same genus, but, you know, they're growing in different, very different, you know, environments. Yeah. So New Zealand's got a really high UV um, level of, of exposure. Our, our produce has got a high, higher than average across any other country level of UV exposure and that supercharges our crops to have more polyphenols, um, which are, you know, fighting for them, but they're beneficial for humans. And so New Zealand's got this advantage, and so the black currants reap that advantage. What we've found in Poland is that there's another, like to have cold um, uh, climate conditions and harvested at certain time periods, the, 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 the varieties in Europe have got a high amount of the, the other side to that coin that New Zealand's good at. Um, it's because there are two compounds of black currants that are, that are of interest, and they, they work and respond to different climatic conditions. And, and so we're, yeah, we're, we're finding, um, it's kind of like we're, we're the first to discover the UMF factor in Manuka honey. And now we're like taste, testing, you know, honey from around the world to see that where this activity exists and who's the world champs. Mm. And that's where I guess that term neuroberry for us is, it's, it's kind of a, um, it's a quality standard for us. So once it, it gets the right amount of neuroactivity, you know, we've, we've got a way of measuring that and with the anthocyanins, that's how we kind of determine what's, what's a neuroberry. Because there are, you know, not all berries are built the same and not all black currants are built the same. So some will have, you know, very, very low that, but high in vitamin C, for instance, very low neuroactivity or very low anthocyanins. But we're able to identify and we know what we're looking for as well. And that's why we've patented it because it's uh, very, um, you know, the response that we can get from a single dose of our drink is to a pharmaceutical level, like safe pharmaceutical level with 100% reversibility. So there are products out there that people take uh, for like malinhibition that uh, have pharmaceutical drugs that do that, but it also comes with side effects with our product is completely safe completely natural, completely reversible. So it means it it goes back to where it was if you were to keep going, whereas the pharmaceuticals actually bind to the malnutrition and kills it. So it can 
it can it can twist things the other way over time as well. So um, and this yeah. this is like a three billion dollar um, Parkinson's depression drug market, um, which is so. Yeah, this is a real like, you know, you're, ta- you're taking on, this is a, you know, a situation where it's like, here, hold my drink, hold my Arepa. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Taking on Big Pharma. So, um, uh, but yeah, the, but the goal for us is to, we want to um, help everyone with the brain and for every year that we can uh, delay the onset of neurological decline worldwide, we can save uh, the world up to half a trillion dollars per year. And so we believe that our formulation has a beneficial effect on brain health, and we're currently um, studying it in a clinical setting where our guess is that we could potentially help boost brain, delay onset of neurological decline by up to five years. Um, And so if we can get this in the hands and scale this up to being as big as Red Bull, then we can make quite a significant impact, um, we think. And so that, yes, I've got... Two questions. One is, a, you, you're presenting it in a range of formats. Are they? Do they have to be refrigerated? Are they shelf stable? Yeah, no. So they don't need to be refrigerated. We are they ambient stable, so for up to twelve months, and it can go beyond that. But that's where we've we've drawn the line to for now. Um, the capsules are two years, powders two three years. It's like um, yeah, it's every everything's pretty safe there. Uh, but yeah, the drink, and we just say once the drink is open, just keep, keep it refrigerated after that. That's just sand food safety. And we kind of made formats to suit different like needs and wants. So you know, a beverage is like one of the most you know kind of traded. You know, it's a high velocity skew in, in supermarkets. And so if we can create a format that gets in there and substitutes people from consuming energy drinks, which are obesogenic. Um, to us, we can help on that front as well. Um, but then the powder, we looked at what's the most cost-effective per-dose solution that we could create for families and people in need that um, couldn't afford a you know a six seven dollar um, beverage. So uh, that's why we made the powder, and then and also the capsules just from our, our consumer demand. So our online store represents like thirty percent of our revenue, where we sell. Um, drinkartepa.com.au where we sell our powder and our capsules and drinks and um, but we also realise that we are humans and we shop at supermarkets and we, <laughs> you know, we go to you know gas stations and we we commute and we do things and so we want to be found at, at, at locations where consumers and humans are, are moving and, and offer our product versus the 90% rest of the 99% rest of the health, uh, sorry, food options in these retailers that actually do any benefit to um, nutritional wellness. That's Yeah, that's kind of one of our things, like, you know, where Angus mentioned earlier, you know, we want to make brains work better. And by doing that, we need to be available everywhere. You know, brain food needs to be accessible. And that's something that Arepa is doing. We've made it accessible. You can buy it at, you know, yeah, your gas station. You can buy it at your supermarket. You can buy it online. You can get it at a corner store. But that's clinically proven brain health in your supermarket, you know, like which, you know, like you'd expect something like that. You'd have to climb up Kilimanjaro and find, you know, this particular goji berry and sip from the, you know, the internal life uh, spring exactly. up there. It's like the yeah. wind off the Alps. Yeah, know? exactly. Like the wind yeah, off I the like Alps. I like that. I like that yeah. before. Who's all that? <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, but that's, that goes against our mission. If you want to, you know, if you actually want to make a difference to people's brain health, that you need to be found everywhere and so that's what we're doing 
and I think that the it's sort of time and true that if you if you have it in a format in a range of different channels, then yes, you are your audience is much wider than it would otherwise be. But I love that it's coming in uh, like capsules and powder. My mum sadly has had to go into a nursing home last year and with um, dementia, and there's no way there's no way I would be able to get her to drink Repa. Like she's very um, you know, dietary issues, drug issues, you name it. But tablet tablets she'll take. <laughs> like, and so I think, yeah, I think that's a really that's a really great um development. My other question is scaling. I mean, this is a crop. So how how's that working for like how are you going to do that? Yeah, so we're running out of New Zealand. <laughs> we we, yeah. we became one of the largest buyers of black currant out of New Zealand. Um, but in, in Europe and in the places that we want to buy from, um, for a comparison, New Zealand does 4,000 tonne a year of black currants. Um, Poland alone does like 150,000 tonne of black currants. So um, the scale is fine as long as we can identify the right um, varieties, check that their, um, their volumes are available and available to us, and then grow at that rate with that limiting factor. But we... In parallel, uh, you know, looking to um, grow our own soon and work with growers. And one grower is an investor, but we've kind of maxed out his amount. Um, <laughs> we're doing doing what we can. We've, we're really excited because we've we understand the um, bio uh, chemical pathways of our bioactives. We're setting them as targets for breeding programs that we've got set up and um, kind of plant improvement programs that we we have identified um that's really um it's yeah i mean that's that it's going to be a challenge isn't it when the when the when the, when the, key, when the key ingredient has to come from poland rather than rather than new zealand yeah well that's that's why we that's why our, our operations manager is up there right now it's something we we've been working on for the last couple of years is making sure we can scale this product and when angus and i first started we looked at you know the new zealand demand and we were like oh if we run out of black currants in New Zealand, that's a premium problem. And then we got an investor, uh, Lane Jager, who's the ex-CEO of Zespri, who knows about growing $5 billion worth of kiwi fruit a year. Um, and so he was—he basically sat Angus and I down and said, you guys are going to run out of black currants a lot faster than you think. You need to get onto that now. And so, you know, and then, yeah, he was right. When about a year's time, we became one of the biggest uh, purchasers of black currant in New Zealand. And uh, we've had to, um, you know, which kind of forced us to look far and wide. But in in that time, we've been able to identify what we need to find in the in the black current. So in the northern the northern hemisphere varieties, and we have secured, you know, enough demand. Like, you know, there's enough product out there for us for you know some very large markets like the US and and uh, and Europe. And having having a northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere supply um, chain means that you know, we can manage climate change related risk as well, which is coming. And and in our breeding program, we're working towards creating crop that's more resilient to climate change because we we experienced it two years ago or last year where, you know, the cost of our black current doubled in price kind of overnight for us, um, which is, yeah, partly why we're a $7 beverage. (laughs) Um, But where that because we work and we've got science behind it and just to your point on the rest homes we're speaking with one of the largest rest home providers in australia and new zealand and they're really fascinated with the level of evidence that we have and 
it being in like a food um, format. You know, we're just trying to think up what's a good, um, easy to chew uh, dessert uh, that we can make. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, once you once you're bringing in all the issues of, I think it's is it aphasia where that's trouble swallowing yeah. and yeah, um, yeah. Look, it's uh, I don't know. I just think with these functional beverages, it's very easy to get caught up in you know the sort of thinfluencers and and gazelles and and you know gym bodies walking around going, look, you know, I'm drinking my ginseng and you know Himalayan air water, and um, when really they can have this kind of benefit, this kind of literally changing people's lives, and I think that you know, and and you and you know, Arepa has the the research studies and to sort of really back up the claims that you're making. Yeah, we've, and we've got probably close to over 300 um, like uh, customer like testimonies in terms of like email, like, you know, paragraphs into us of all these like fascinating heartwarming stories, which literally keep Zach and I going on this project for the last 10 years is just hearing how we help people and um and yeah brings a like a tear reading some of them um so yeah we're slowly building up the the body of evidence working with the um school of population health at the university of auckland to actually quantify the economic impact that we've had so far we think like back of the envelope um we're close to 85 million dollars in economic burden saved within new zealand and australia so good. It's a really exciting product. Uh, it has been wonderful to talk to you two about how it was developed and how it's got to now. We haven't even managed to touch on where you're heading, so we'll have to we'll have to do another another session down the track to um to catch up with all uh you know the, the new product developments and the plans heading um heading uh, into the future, but. Uh, um, Angus and Zach, thank you so much for joining us. It's been fascinating. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. It's been awesome. Appreciate the time. Well, thanks, Angus. Thanks, Zach. And of course, thanks, Kim. And thanks to our audience for joining us today. Don't forget, if you enjoyed what you heard, you can tell a colleague about us so they too can benefit from the show. We'll be back in the not too distant future with another informative discussion. But until then, have a great day. And I'm going off to find some arepa. You've been listening to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Food and Drink Business, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Food and Drink Business, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.